0: Okay, my levels seem low as shit. Low, low levels, 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 levels. Check, check, check. Hey, it's Engineering Podcast. I'm Adam. I'm Brian. Welcome back for another Hang in the Laboratory. Thank you for joining us. And special thanks, as always, to our supporters who throw us as little as a buck a month to help keep the lights on at the laboratory. Uh, lights which we have sort of been making progressively fancier as we lead up to, I don't know, maybe transitioning to doing video when we hit our 100th episode, yeah, whatever yeah. that means. Um, word. It's just us. I think we already mentioned at this point, uh, it's just us. It's just, it's just you. Just get me and me and TBJ until episode one hundred. Just the two of us <laughs> talking about whatever. I have Take run out easy. of just the two of us puns to use in our naming schemes. So, uh, I mean, internal naming schemes. You have seen none of them, dear listener, on purpose, dear listener. So what's Please up, man? How you been? It's only been a week this time. Doing pretty good. A week since we talked. Longer since we have an episode. No, that's not true. I think the last
1: episode we released was pre-quarantine. Might have been. We've talked. We recorded since then. one
0: post-quarantine. We recorded a virus episode, and I, it was just not worth anyone else listening to. That's true. Yeah, what did <laughs> Which we get? Try- we, we tried to take a happy. I don't know. We got there in the we end, but to talk about like, it, it was 45 minutes of crap. Thing. And then we maybe got there in the last 10 minutes. Yeah, that was rough. That was, that was... not worth explaining. Well,
1: there'll so, be plenty, uh, there's plenty uh, of time to uh, right. reconsider.
0: Yeah. It's funny. Cause it's very much like, uh, you know, calls, calls and meetings usually start with me saying, Hey, how's everybody doing? And like, not only is everybody anxious, but, like everybody's just been in their house, so sometimes somebody's like, "I've been trying to learn how to do handstands, but like, other than that, nobody has anything to say about their weekend that's this different from anyone else. It's created a very interesting try to catch up with people on a personal level instead of just talking about work dynamic that you know I mean, humans will adapt to it, but it's, it's different
1: kind of kind of cool that. Everyone says, you know, I just hung out and was peaceful and read and was with my family or my kids or my wife and or just uh, taking care of my hobbies or whatever people are doing at home.
0: Yeah, I mean, if there's one thing, if there's one thing a pandemic will do for you, it's cause you to reassess your priorities. Mm-hmm. I would hope. Uh... <laughs> But anyway, <laughs> that's not what we're here to talk about. What are we talking Shut about today?
1: again? We'll cut. We'll be cutting. Cut that it part all now. again. We'll start right here.
0: Most likely. So, what are we talking about this week? Just uh, the
1: two of us. We're talking about uh, one of my favorite things to point out because it validates a lot of my interests as a child. <laughs> like a lot of our nerdy topics, uh, the the rise of Uh, comic book stories and superhero movies in modern culture and yeah i think
0: i think i think like it's there's no modern place other than to start like i can't i can't start this conversation without the brain and or emotion dump associated with exactly what you said first uh uh there is for sure Consistently a part of me that is aware that everything that I thought was cool as a child and was broadly ridiculed for is pop culture now. (laughs) Computers, (laughs) video games, superheroes and comic books, like literally the same characters, Wolverine, (laughs) Superman. Yeah,
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) we did it. Uh, we did it (laughs) that's what episode 100 should be i guess that's what this Uh, episode is but we did it
0: (laughs) but comically much like everything else it's in a space where like uh you can't just say that you can't you can't just you can't have that chip on your shoulder when you talk to people about superhero (laughs) movies or else they go oh my god the same way you can't point out logical fallacies right
1: um, I, you can do whatever you want because there's a uh, relatable comic book character that the entire world knows about now that you can reference there. So you got like a little Wolverine chip going on. That's okay. That's cool. You know, for to sure, it. the
0: Berserker Rage,
1: <laughs> Berserker Nerd Rage,
0: Peter Parker, you go pine after the girl you can't get and take photos. Anyway, that's that's. I mean, that's actually a critical part of telling the comics story because like those characters didn't exist in comics <laughs> until the the fifties, um. Anyway, to back that up, though, it's like okay, it's funny because when we use our okay, what's the cave paintings analogy, like literally cave paintings in this <laughs> in this context. <laughs> um, Those are the original comics, right? So, kind like of. to try to take it back to the things, like okay, uh, uh, divorced from all the technology, like you know, and and, and books are technology. For storing ideas so we got to back up further than books like what why 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 is this a th- thing that we're still why is why are we go like why are we going to movies like we don't even need to it's like why are we reading books what like the 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 step further back is is not not like hey what's a superhero why are they cool which a hundred percent we'll get to <laughs> uh, 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 uh. it's like why why is why is the construct even there to like why why does the story even exist to insert a superhero into because the superhero is just a character in a story and the comic book is just the presentation of that story are you asking for like a deep analysis
1: of society and literature or like my opinion <laughs> or how i feel uh,
0: <laughs> No, I mean, uh, the look. This is this is the how I feel. Kind of episode, right? <laughs> uh, you know, I mean. So maybe a better way to phrase it is uh, like, why do you care about stories? Like, why do you? What do you, why, why do you care to sit down and watch the tale of of you know Spider Man, Spider Man's origin for the fifth fucking time. <laughs>
1: I, uh, whenever I finish watching superhero movies, I feel like a superhero. My whole body is like tingling with excitement and all of my, uh, deep seated urges to like be wrong so that I can right that wrong and save the world are like spun up in my head in a way where I can relate with that. And I literally, every time I've left a movie theater after seeing a superhero movie, I am like walking taller. I'm looking around the theater, like who needs saving? is there anything bad going on that needs me to rescue someone from it's exciting. It's thrilling. It's energetic. It taps into something like fundamental in my, in my being, uh, as a person. And it's just, it's, they're just, you're also really tall.
0: So you sort of have the closest a real person can have to a mutant (laughs) superpower. It's definitely a (laughs) mutation. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah. So like that, that, that's the relevant place to start in terms of looking at, okay, what's this visceral reaction that you're having to the storytelling and superheroes tap into it in a very specific way, but like to take a step back, you know, the funny thing about having this thing, that's like, I was into as a kid, but everyone else was like, no, not cool. And you're like, okay, well, but it's causing a reaction for me over here. Right. And no one (laughs) 13 years old thinks to go, well, the thing about, mass media is and then explain to them how it's no different than their literature in terms of storytelling and storytelling, but like, you know, it's sort of, I think we've touched on this other episodes, but like, what's, you know, why is it so ingrained in humanness to tell stories? I mean, like this is the step back, right? Like why do you have that visceral reaction to it? Like what's either the social or genetic or or whatever biological dynamic that causes you to, 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 like literally, your heart rate. Like, like if you're in a movie theater watching an action movie, you can feel the room get warmer because everyone is collectively having a visceral anxious yeah. response to whatever the rock is doing on the screen. <laughs> it's know?
1: our, uh, <clears throat> it's our ability to empathize, right? It's it's our brain's ability to put ourselves in that situation, put ourselves, put ourselves. ourselves. Put our it's our ability to put ourselves yeah that's right collectively into, yeah. in into the situation that we're imagining or that we're watching that we're witnessing that we're thinking about right it's the same thing of like you can you can think through a memory and your body responds in some capacity to when you were in that situation it's just a weird just a weird feature of being uh human and probably a bunch of other animals too because you see dogs like get all fired up when they're watching tv and stuff
0: (laughs) (laughs) i I saw a dog
1: herding herding uh like sheep on the tv the other day it was like as the sheep were running around the screen it would run over and like nudge them
0: (laughs) yeah so like i mean part of that has to do with the when you talk about the evolution of media and how visceral video is that it literally fools some life forms Mm -hmm. but like Including ours, I think. I think there's an interesting aspect where this overlaps with the dice conversation because it's like when you talk about dice getting ingrained. Because when we had no other construct for the world, what we had was storytelling, and we would tell this. St- and, and and the dice introduced randomness, which could cause a situation where you're like, no, it's not a story. This person is a shaman. <laughs> Listen to them, <laughs> right? Like, but but I mean, it gets to the same core sort of this is the bridge between cave paintings and and the world that we're talking about i think which is or you know what gets us to comics (laughs) gets us to pop culture eventually is like stories are also how you teach your kids to stay out of the woods because that's where bears live and they are too young to understand bears Mm -hmm. and so believing the story the boogeyman story on some level at some age, ends up like, like, like in our DNA because the people that were like, "Oh shit, I don't want to go in there." There's ghosts. <laughs> like, didn't get eaten by bears or, or, or by <laughs> ghosts <laughs> or by ghosts. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, I don't. Whatever. <laughs> but so like, blame the bears for everything. So, if you want to talk about the persistence of traits, like storytelling is a really effective, if if only verbal, way to teach information, even if you're teaching. You know things that it's like, and then eventually we get science, and so you get this weird split between like, okay, here's a story of how all this works that's also validated with math and science and blah blah blah, and so now we now now we have to go, okay, and over here is literature, which is all just made up stories, but it doesn't mean they're not worthwhile. Like, uh, kind of does, <laughs> does right. a little bit, and so, uh, and so, so anyway, sorry, so it's more just like the visceral reaction. I mean, that's a fair perspective from an engineering standpoint right like you can't build a bridge based on a a, 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 based on thor right like you can't look at that and go okay i know how to build a bridge now and so there is a very concrete reason for your perspective of like literature is silly um but the literature silly baggage like the reason i double back to even cover that is because that's part of what gets us to like (laughs) my passion for comic books as a child is standing on the shoulders of the shoulders of the shoulders of the shoulders of something that at best is still as silly as you just articulated. <laughs> oh, that's made up shit. That's <laughs> you know, all it's made like up we, shit. We give special credence to war and peace and, 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 you know, f- uh, Shakespeare, but like uh, still just made up characters in a space that like, you know, and they, and they, so Anyway, I think the broader point, the cave paintings engineering point underneath all of that is just like the beginning of this whole conversation, the s- superheroes, etc., is about storytelling, right? It starts from this idea of like, I need a way to explain what Thunder is, and so I'm going to make up this story of this fantastical thing that is so fantastic or cool or, or, or piques the imagination in such a way that everybody remembers it. And now they know the thing I wanted them to know, which is like, thunder is not the end of the world. Every time you hear it, let's stop panicking so we can proceed with our lives. It's it's Zeus. Story,
1: (laughs) Zeus and Thor fighting out for the uh, trident of thunder. The, uh, I mean, stories are just kind of how our brains seem to work right? It's, it's how we experience the world. It's how we think about the world. It's how we talk to each other about the world. It's how we share emotions. It's how we like understand our own emotions. It's how we interpret our dreams. It's, it's just every bit of what it is to be human, whether that's because we invented it and like put it in ourselves as we raise kids. Um, whether it's like innate in how we, how we are, uh, it just stories are just, they're just kind of everything you're telling a story with everything you do.
0: And there's an interesting phenomenon. This is maybe completely unrelated, but this is the thing it made me think of when you were, when, when we were kind of down the, down the direction of genetics and stuff. Um, there are studies of groups of crows that seem to have generational memory regarding certain people. Like we have a longer lifespan than crows. And so, the the person who did a lot of the work on this was a, a, a zoologist who had done a bunch of tests on the crows on campus that involved sort of bothering them like nothing unethical. But, you know, eventually they learned who she was and they would attack her when she tried to come toward the tree. And then she left for like 25 years or so. I don't remember long enough. She mm-hmm. moved away, finished with school long enough that two generations of birds should have rolled over and she came back and they still attacked her when she came close to the tree. <laughs> and so she got obsessed with the idea of how do you have generational memory if you yeah. don't have storytelling. And so there is really a, an extent to which it's like, okay, is this, you know, are there things that we pass to our offspring that aren't even like actual memories essentially contained in genetic code? Um, and it's so easy once you hit that to spin off into everything as a simulation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not what today's episode's about. Every, everything is code. Um, but also like the thing with storytelling gets us to video games and the idea that like part of the reason we have computers that are so good at replicating reality is because we want to use them to tell stories in a way that's fun. <laughs> like I, uh, really, I mean like CG effects, like all of those superhero movies are made up and and like seventy percent of those movies now is made by software that we're yeah. writing to try to make a better representation of reality to fool the moviegoers into going that train blew up. <laughs> it's it's like, amazing how amped up you are no, for today's episode. <laughs> train's not even there. Uh, it just it's like because storytelling is a broader topic is literally the focus of of everything I've worked on my entire life. Yeah, Um, it's at the core of of you know, movies and comics and D and D and, and what we're doing right now is trying to tell everyone a compelling story of storytelling. <laughs> um, anyway, to chase through that though, like, okay, so let's go back to, so, you know, this visceral need to share information, to tell stories, to do all that kind of stuff. Right. And we've done episodes where we've talked about, okay, here's the progression up to paper and books and, and papyrus and, you know, whatever. Um, that will converge back again once we talk about the transition of these heroes through other things but i think the thing now is like okay so what contained in these narratives like we already talked about boogeyman that's villains right the counterpoint to villains is who defeats that character in your sort of traditional i'm going to try to keep this out of media studies territory because it's like when you have spent as long as i have studying story structure it's really easy to be like oh that's the hero's journey it's like yeah there's only like 12 stories in the world. Don't get me started. But like 12 story constructs in the world. That's the thing we should have Mike on to talk about sometime yeah. cuz he is even deeper down that rabbit hole than I than I am. For sure. Um but like you know from your perspective, it's like what is what's what's that what's the counter character that that becomes what we now would call superhero. You know, uh, 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 like behavior I don't know said it beforehand we already alluded we already alluded to it uh evil super genius we were talking about I, that beforehand i can try it again or you could just pick it up i'm trying to i'm trying to serve up your god's comment the place to go here that i already brought up with zeus is is the interesting thing where it's like the first stories were about what the world was doing around right. us and we and we explained it by okay. making up these heroes who were fighting in the clouds and that caused thunder, but the story of the heroes made people not go, the world's fucking ending! And run back in their cave, and or whatever, right? Like, Gotcha. Uh, so,
1: <clears throat> I mean, in a way, every story is a superhero story. Not to short the superheroes that we will talk about in a little bit, <laughs> but the stories are always written in a way uh, that they're you're not telling day-to-day life, right? Before even Instagram came around and everyone's complaining about how everyone's life on Instagram is bullshit, books were doing the same thing, right? They were, only, they were selectively choosing the aspects of the story to tell. They were skipping over whole swaths of people's lifetimes. They weren't telling the story honestly because that's impossible. What are you going to write a book about every second and every second a person talks? And so I think all stories for all time are kind of portraying The characters in a way that there's like an agenda. There's like a there's there's a purpose to telling the story. There's a a perspective. There's a narrator. Right. That's one of the first things you learn about literature is to ask who's narrating and how is that influencing the perspective of the story for me.
0: Well, and it's structurally you you need a main you need you know if you're gonna have a story you need characters, right? Um. And you're going to have your main character and that can be any manner of, of sort of like how they fit in there, hero, villain, anti-hero, you know, different, whatever. Right. But it's like, part of that is okay. You can have the main character, but then the narrator narrator might not even be talking about the main character. Like just <laughs> immediately it's, it's, it's interesting. And I think fun when you get into that space, but like, um, you know, if you take it back to, okay, you don't even have books, so you don't have the same construct, right? Like you're just imagining, um, uh, people out on a hunt like let's go with the same dice analogy but say you don't have dice right it's like w- people end up making up stories about the world around them and so we have these things that like mm-hmm. you know every religion is just a story trying to explain things that happened you know like there was a plague of locusts it happens it's happening in africa right now and and they, and and the people are like oh man we got to explain this <laughs> <laughs> right? And he got a whole swath of the Old Testament, right? Like, so, you know, I mean, anything that is written down and persists over time in like, it doesn't matter if you think it's true or not, right? Like, it's a story and it starts with the story. Here's the story of Adam and Eve. Here's the story of Jesus. Like, and so, you know, it starts from everybody trying to explain the world around them and then and it gets, it gets more and more like anything that you apply technology to, as you start to develop the technology to keep these stories, like it gets more and more granular, and you end up with these mm-hmm. things where it's just like, okay, I don't want to read Pride and Prejudice. Like that is a very granular human story about some <laughs> fancy ass people. I, it just didn't stick for me, right? Like I get it, I get why you think it's important. I'm doing fine over here, having never read it.
1: I like um, I, I like the fantastic, <laughs> which is what probably leads us into the superhero stories. I. I also struggle to read books that uh share stories about life in sort of a uh real world fashion. I just, you know, I'm in the real world all day. There aren't spells here, and that's kind of a bummer. So I don't need to read about other people not getting to cast spells. That's <laughs> just not <laughs> <Right>. that interesting. <laughs> so I really struggle reading just like uh dramatic literature. Doesn't do it for well, me.
0: Well, you and everyone else in Greece and then Rome. <laughs> because like when you look at totally. the early stories, like in like, a lot of the most
1: read stories of all time are superhero stories.
0: Absolutely. Across all the board. Yep. Jesus Jesus is a superhero, right? Jesus and so is you pull back to thing a fantastical things happen in that book too, right? Yeah. Like, this perspective of the cooler thing is the one that's sci-fi, essentially. Or or fantasy mm-hmm. is always the most popular. Yep, always has Were been. Were we unique to live through a period where it was like no, <laughs> no, no? Probably that's, tr- that's filthy trash. Or is Probably. that just how it is? It just any long new long... way of telling stories is pornography first. Yeah, for sure. That's a good. That's a good perspective <laughs> too.
1: But also think how long polytheistic superheroes ruled the world, right? For most of recorded history. That right. was the way storytelling was being done, was still all of the, like, intrigue and drama and day-to-day bullshit about life, but they also could cast spells, which just adds, like, funniness to it, right? How much funnier those... is it when, when the gods can, like, punish each other with things that then they can, like, sneak out of because they're gods and they can kill each other but then come back to life it's just it adds humor and intrigue and interest in it in a goofy way right it makes some of makes those up...
0: heroes are literally still with us thor is an avenger
1: <laughs> good thing thor made it did he win did he take out all the other the god of gods?
0: thunder is still i don't man if you go way too deep it's loki is still there as a villain um there's a lot of north mythology that carries through this stuff because they right. came up with some really good stories man <laughs> old one-eyed odin yeah riding his 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 giant horse sleeping here the other had like three heads or whatever i don't know you can are any of the other down.
1: mythologies in comic series i assume all of them are right i assume jesus is in a whole bunch of comic series yeah on in one way or another but
0: then it's, it's yeah. just funny when you see the ones that because this is when you start to talk about like the lineage of comics so like so so this is kind of gets us into the, okay, let's talk about this sort of evolution of what gets us to comic book superheroes. Um, and there's a, sh- there's, there's it's not really a shift, but there's always been this split in the sense of, um, I think it's easier technically to reproduce words and, and written like language than it is to reproduce pictures. Or to create pictures and then reproduce them right when you think about like flowery early printing press publications like they'll kind of add one picture and then a shitload of words mm-hmm. and then you have a question like okay if that picture is worth a thousand words <laughs> uh, how many thousands of words anyway you can figure out your picture to word ratio and literature throughout the universe and you have this split that's like okay this is all words and ideas and this one over here is Words and Pictures. Um, and I feel like that sets the table for the, for the sort of prejudice that we're describing when we say that, like, when we were kids, everyone who was into comic books was like, you know, fat slob sort of d- d- derelict. Like I, I always imagine mall rats characters in red, right. but that's just because that spoke to me at the time as someone who was like, right. no, we're compelling too, even though we're wearing baggy shirts and talking about whether or not the Hulk has a penis. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you know, I always, I always find it so strange that books, non comic based books don't have more images. What the hell? like occasionally I'll be reading a just like a normal book, and like I'll happen upon a page on page one forty three that has some shitty line graphic, and you're like, why why is this here? Why is it so crappy? Why is there only one? Why is there one and not none? Why aren't there twenty five? It's very strange that we don't have more illustrative capacity in in like book printing. Why why are I mean, we so resistant to there being right. images and graphics and things other than just fucking words on pages? That's not the best way to convey information.
0: Right. And I think at some point, at some point it does come down to the tech. It's not the right? only good like, way to convey it. To do a carving that's a competent picture for a printing press is harder than just typesetting a paragraph that somebody wrote. I mean, the typesetting takes time, but you can just do it. Like But that's not how things work anymore. Um there's it? artistry to the <laughs> Do we picture, still print right? Books yeah, with that's not how that's not, not how things work anymore, so. right? Which is, yeah. So that's part of the whole thing, right? I mean, so there is a resistance to comics as a medium versus what we would otherwise say is literature, journalism, or prose, yeah. right? Maybe um, that's only that's probably
1: only very recently though that we're not printing all books with like old-fashioned shit where you can't print
0: pictures. Yeah, last hundred years, two two hundred. I, I would say last, really like, aggressive ten years. Right. So. So, I mean, that's I'm, I'm trying to not even take it up to digital divide, like right? let's say newspaper, because the place where comics start to take off is newspapers. Um, oh, interesting. and so yeah, as we get up to mass printing, you start to so, so you know, uh, uh, we're gonna go all the way back to cave paintings and whatever, like people were doing books that were mostly pictures, you know, in the 1800s. Um, but like the journey that gets us to modern comic books, um, and ultimately causes the reemergence of the superhero, uh, I think, as a sort of super duper pop culture th- thing in the world, is, is like in the 30s, in the 20s, uh, newspapers who needed to fill space were starting to hire illustrators to do, you know, two, three panel little illustration comic book, whatevers, And I think that kind of started from like before photography was sort of widely available, all the images had to be hand produced anyway but mm-hmm. newspapers with pictures sold better. So they had illustration departments, you know, somebody whose job was to draw the picture that go with any given important enough article. We like um, pictures. We like and our those eyes. people started pitching to their editors. Hey, I could fill some space over here with this thing. And you almost immediately started to have, you know, prominent comic strips that like people would read in the funnies. They call them, um,
1: that's funny. I hadn't thought about comics in
0: newspapers
1: at all as we were talking about doing this episode.
0: Right. Um, my introduction to comic books, I would argue, is Calvin and Hobbes. Uh, I was I was a, love Calvin I was and as a kid reading Calvin and Hobbes before I discovered, you know, whatever at the, the era that yeah, I picked it up was like Spawn. I think was was one of the big ones among my subset of people who cared about comics.
1: I did not ever read actually comic books like where that I now enjoy in the movie form and I enjoy the, the world and the stories. I knew a lot of the stories somehow, or not the, not the stories, but I knew the characters and the worlds and the superpowers and the, the debates about <laughs> could Superman, what happens if Superman fights the hog and that kind of stuff. But, um, I guess I was I was reading like uh, I guess they were newspaper comics adapted to books. What was the Far Side? Is the one that I had? I had all the yeah, collections of Far Side. That
0: was super popular
1: single frame. But comics. that was yeah, that was single frame or single page, right? Comics. And so you were reading the what stories. they would
0: call trade paperbacks, made yeah. up of a compilation of serialized. So this is a, an interesting thing to talk about, right? So the funniest. So it just started as illustrations of paperwork and paper 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 you know, in papers. And then they started to serialize and have characters where they were like, okay, this is gonna be the story of the Phantom. And and you're already starting to have, you know, like these essentially heroes. Um, you know, when you cross the superhero line, I don't know, Hmm. when the Fantastical starts to come back again. The Phantom wasn't anybody special. He wore a purple suit and just had skills. Hobbes is but, a superhero. I mean, you right? could say the same thing about Batman. Yeah. I mean, Hobbes <laughs> doesn't exist. Uh, so, you know, but, but the idea of what is Calvin and Hobbes versus sort of early just illustrations, like they started to serialize. And so it would be every week the paper wanted you to come back to catch the new Calvin and Hobbes like strip, um, which fits with another way that like novels had already been presented and radio dramas at the time were presented. Like taking a story and serializing it. Through my piece of technology, I am going to release this on a periodic schedule and sell ads against it already happening. Right? <laughs> Same as it ever was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can I pull your attention? Right. Um, yeah, and so you have comic strips. And then uh, you know, that that evolves into different forms of storytelling that essentially get more and more more and more picture based. Less and less text-based <laughs> until it sort of stabilizes on a thing that's like, hey, the kids seem to like this, <laughs> which was all books of comics. Um, and if you look at a lot of like kind of thirties, forties era comics, you can probably envision them because they show up places. But it's like early Superman was kind of boring as shit. Like it just they had a standardized format, it was like 16 frames on a page, and they would use that to tell a story. And then even if you go read Watchmen, it's pretty boring by comparison to modern comics mm. because the illustrations, not quite as advanced. The artistry is not as advanced as where we are now, but also they, they they weren't like breaking the frame. They weren't partially because of printing restrictions, having the room to have just that full frame, badass Superman punching the guy. It's just, you know, image And so they just had these little, you know, and we're going to tell a story frame by frame with these pictures and a little bit of talking in Mm -hmm. these bubbles, you know? Um, But yeah, I mean, so as you follow that, like the evolution of comics goes hand in hand with what have turned out to be modern mythology and the superhero sort of narrative in pop culture. What's the first, like, what's the first superhero you can never mind the Hobbes, abstractions, etc. cetera, right? Like, mm-hmm. of your notion of modern superheroes, what's the first one that comes to mind?
1: Uh, I'd have to say Superman in the realm of what people consider superheroes, but a bunch of other things pop to mind too, right? Like Robin Hood pops to mind, which I'm sure there's Robin Hood comic books as well, even though that's not necessarily a... Uh, he's, he's like some of these other things. There's history around him. Um, Star Trek characters popped to mind, right? They're that's all kind of superheroy stuff too, right? They're in the future so that their superheroes are supposed to be. Their superhero powers are supposed to be kind of like reality then, which is an interesting twist on the superhero,
0: right? They're Well, so I think the compelling the compelling thing there for us as people who we caught the tail end of this, right? Like obviously this had been happening for decades if not centuries before we landed in the now the pop culture moment for these characters. Mm-hmm. But like yeah, Superman. That's the right place to start because that's literally the someone inventing and popularizing Superman is the like shift of the epoch in the world of comic book historians. Mm-hmm. Um the the end of the golden age and the beginning of the silver age was when they shifted from telling Hey, this is a story about an adventurer doing Indiana Jones things. Like to just making up Superman. Yeah, he can he can he's got he can blow a cold breath and he can do this thing with his eyes and bullets can't pierce him and he can jump over buildings and he fights crime better than whole armies. Let's have a serialized story. He was just a character in another series. Uh actually the first appearance of Superman is in like action comics something, some some number yeah, or whatever. Interesting. And he's like on the cover holding a car. And everybody's like, yo, that's Superman. Whoa. <laughs> um, you, should, you should look it up. We've we'll Just find a link to it. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's funny, right? Because it's like, okay, you have this, this technology, comic books, which largely is appealing to children, in part because their parents keep constantly telling them that it's frivolous and not to be continued through your adult life. So people give them up and then put that on their kids. Eventually, <laughs> did your parents discourage any of Absolutely the like, Dungeons and Dragons? <laughs> you know, yeah, neither did Never. mine, which was good. But for sure, the school did. <laughs> a little, yeah,
1: a little bit. A few I people was not
0: allowed to bring comics to school.
1: Oh, comic books. Interesting. I didn't have that struggle. I could see that. It was they largely certainly... because
0: we were selling them to one another. <laughs>
1: but... Right. We wouldn't want to encourage uh actual like business understanding for uh, no. children. Actual <laughs> Just experience with work. market economics and, <laughs> and, <laughs> and in deal production flow. line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. All the things that were uh all the things like all of these games and and interests and hobbies and stuff that were outside school became economies inside of school right that's the weirdest still, thing that's such a funny aspect to them that's um, why
0: we're not surprised i mean i don't think anybody i mean it was the same with marbles and baseball cards before that for sure but i think that's why we believe in digital economies because we also live through the digital digital shift and so we're very much just like tokens are just pogs man but that shit was real yeah interesting <laughs> i was selling selling trading you know yeah we I, I participated in a, and I
1: assume a lot of kids do, right? You don't have dollars because uh, you don't have any way to get them. <laughs> so <laughs> it's a pop, you pop have all culture these,
0: barter economy.
1: Yeah, you have all these alternative economies and alternative currencies <laughs> that use candy um, and fruit roll-ups and chocolate milk comic and, books and yeah. baseball cards and rookie cards and uh, issue number ones MP3s eventually MP3s,
0: soul rings. that was my favorite. Um, so so if you keep tracking with comic books to get us to what to where we are now, right? Like you have the emergence of the idea of the superhero, and they're all still very mythological in that sense of like, 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 like one of the one of the favorite sort of out there but easy to access conversations about superheroes is like one of the problems with so like when I talk to my dad about Superman, he's like, I remember when they invented kryptonite. Kryptonite used to not exist. And then they started to, the story started to get boring because Superman uh-huh. was too good. Uh, yeah. And they were like, oh, geez, okay, we have to invent a story that causes him to have a chink in his armor because we made too good a character.
1: Yeah, Superman's <laughs> so, always been kind of boring. Uh,
0: he's just, he's just, everything's perfect. And, and yeah. in fact, when you even try to do a version of him where it's like, oh, he's angsty, you end up with the, with the, man of steel problem where everybody's like, why didn't he care more about the people in that building that would have died? <laughs> He's supposed to be a boy scout. Batman is the one that doesn't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but so, so the evolution in what we have now is this interesting period that they call the bronze age, which is like the fifties, I think through the eighties. Uh, and essentially the bronze age starts with like what, what, what uh, Stan Lee, Jack Kirby and some of his like the peers at the time were kind of the first generation to age into this thing without having previously been an illustrator that did shitty copy mm-hmm. for ads all the time and then like turned into a storyteller because hey here's an mm-hmm. avenue to take and I think it's compelling like they grew up on the medium that would evolve into what it, the powerhouse has mm-hmm. become today. There's interesting places where you can follow this through other media. Like you can follow comics having an impact on film if you compare frame compositions and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's largely in westerns, but there's a lot of westerns where you can you can see yeah, they are learning things from the like they're learning things from the imagery that the constraints of yeah. like you have a frame constraint in either case, right? You can only yep. fit so much yep. in a video f- film frame same deal with comics. Except comics are even more limited. And so, and so they have to do things where they have these extreme angles, you know? And so like the, the famous Western shot where you're looking through the, the wet legs of one cowboy who's facing off with the other one way down the field and you can see him in focus there is a way to tell the story of both of those characters and the distance between them in a single frame. And, they, and that, that wave of directors learned that because they grew up reading comic books. Yep. Their first wave in the, in the 40s, 50s. And you get your Spaghetti Western sort of Clint Eastwood stuff. but Yeah, comic anyway. books were just begging to be
1: made into movies, right? And it's so all, it's, they've been distilled. They're ready to go. Right. Just shoot me. <laughs> and
0: so the crazy crux thing that Stan Lee did was started inventing characters from the beginning that were real messed up too. <laughs> like they all had, it was, it's sort of like the secret identity thing, which is like right. even Superman's secret identity is boring because it's, too, it's <laughs> right. too like the closest you can get with a compelling version of his secret identity is the fumbling version of clark kent from the christopher reeves uh, yeah, like, yeah i think that's why that is such a beloved version of superman oh, interesting. he does such a good awkward he nerd did. oh gee golly was that
1: not the original
0: <laughs> G- clark oh, gee kent golly, character lois I mean, it was similar, but partially as a product of the time. But you make the movie in the '80s, and you go, "No, we're going to have him still behave like it's the it's the '40s." That was good. He did it. Wear a fedora and say, "Gee, golly," and you know, (laughs) oh, that would be swell. And she literally goes, "Who says swell, Clark?" (laughs) (laughs) Um, But so you know, I mean, the the thing—if you dig in on Stan Lee and the characters he started, you know, the stories he started telling is like you know, Peter Parker is is this nerdy outcast who he started realizing that the people that liked comic books were the nerds and all of his characters start as nerdy outcasts and become superheroes. Oh, yeah. And it's really, it's at the core of like, when you talk about storytelling theory and, and stuff like that, like the hero's journey, part of that is becoming the hero. Mm-hmm. So we realized like, hey, if we double down on that piece, we can tell like, actual meaty stories um and you know there's there's like uh there are now famous like their literature but to the comic book nerds like arcs of famous comic books where it's like oh man that was heavy there's 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 arcs of iron man's story over the years that are about his struggle with alcoholism Mm -hmm. like and that's and that demon in a bottle is what that one's called yeah, the depth. It's begging for a movie uh, that no one wants to watch. <laughs> <laughs> Iron Man Three was close to the vibe of Demon. Yeah,
1: Rock. a little bit. I mean, that's an interesting component to comic books that uh, I always like to bring up. And again, I'm I'm not a I'm not particularly well versed on comic books. I'm more at a high level. I know a lot of the depth, but um, there's just so many of them. And, and the way the worlds are set up so that you can kind of create these arcs and tell side stories that don't necessarily have to be in the same timeline with, with any of the other uh, series uh, opens you up to just have such dynamic, rich characters. Um, and they do. They touch on everything, right? Like a lot of... Interestingly enough, and there's something here uh, other than me just liking to talk about it, but a lot of the... Uh, culture like counter culture uh stuff from when we were kids comics and sci-fi and fantasy and everything it encompassed a lot of the struggles that no one else wanted to talk about right it had it had women in power it had characters of different sexualities it had it addressed uh all kinds of social issues that like you didn't talk about other places and so as a kid i was i was reading about this stuff and and playing these games where you were getting a much richer exposure to the fullness of what's going on in reality in real life and i think a lot of that is why why it was so hard for people to uh to accept in
0: mainstream right cuz it's easy to never think about certain emotional things if the delivery mechanism is inaccessible. You can just go, I don't understand this. I'm gonna go over here and not even think about it. Mm -hmm. Which is a possible theory, right? I mean, it gets back to that, okay, why are they not considered literature thing? I think uh, an English teacher of our, our era would perhaps argue that you get the same things by reading the books that they wanted us to read um, in our English classes and write reports on and thing you're supposed to put in the report is this is how this is about the angst of a teenager dealing with the blah, blah, blah of the blah, blah, blah. Right. Like, but that's not, it's just not as accessible as pictures. It's just not, it can't, it's the. it can't be the thousand words thing. Right. And so there's this bunny split where they're like, you know, like, I think what you're saying, what what I'm saying is, okay, here's this split where they're going. Yeah. But the righteous way to learn this is through this other thing. And kids are like, no, that's hard. I want to go over here. And (laughs) then over here they're, they're, they're actually, and this is the transition. Stan Lee was like, let's put actual literary concepts over here instead of just Superman thwarts some more bank robbers. It was like Spider-Man has a struggle with the girl he likes and he's afraid to tell her you see how that resonates with it? You know, and like Pride and Prejudice is about the same shit, but you can't punch all that writing through a 14 year old skull oh, to yeah. go, I relate to this character. And so Stan Lee was like, that era is the rollover to like, Hey, I know you guys don't believe me and you won't for another 30 years, but we can use this stuff that you think is stupid to tell the same St- to tell stories of the same level of emotional impact and import and, 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 and talk about all the same stuff. And so like in this era, comics are taken on racism. They're taken on sexism. They're, they're, they're on lower levels, taken on just what I was saying, like these sort of angsty teenage problems. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's, that's the, the bronze age of comics. The very beginning of that stuff, all starting, it runs kind of like to the mid eighties, early nineties. In the mid-80s and early 90s. And that's, okay, we're alive. Me and you are alive now. When we were in our formative years, comics were starting to get popular enough on the back of like Marvel and DC developing their universes that successful artists who had grown up on that shit started working at Marvel for like 10 years and then splitting off and starting their own imprints to publish comics that were whatever thing they wanted to do. And so the area era of like what was what was fresh and hot at the time that we were, you know, the the new hotness when we were collecting comics was like brands like Image or Valiant, like these other imprints that went off. And Image was like, we're going to do stuff where the art is so much better than the other stuff over here, and they're essentially books for adults, right? right. Like the pictures are way better, mm-hmm. the stories are way darker, the all of the female imagery is adult versions of, you know, it's like your seductress is not hidden under a cloak so that it doesn't offend the 13-year-olds in the narrative where that fits, you know, in you ch- in trying to tell a story, whatever, right? Uh, that's what we lived through. And so in my book, that's getting even more cinematic, essentially. Right? Like, this is where the movies and the comics are increasingly starting to go, okay, like well let's try to draw things that look even more realistic. Mm-hmm. Let's try to you know and, and and that hit a peak and sort of diffused, but ultimately gets us to where we are now, which is kind of this like the modern era picks up about when that split happens, and now we're in modern era of comic books and movies. Um, although a lot of the heroes are the same ones that resonated. At the time, right? So, right. so, so, like, most of the Avengers are Bronze Age heroes. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the Avengers are made up by Stan Lee or Jack Kirby, <laughs> like, and we're still running with the same stories. I mean, and and then you got Thor, who is made up by, you know, the Norse people. Uh... <laughs> the Norse people. <laughs> There's
1: a uh, there was an an interesting uh progression with comic book movies for us in like the 90s where there had been some successful comic book movies right like superman uh the batman movies the original
0: uh, tim burton i say
1: say originals but yeah the tim burton's batman was especially good and and
0: um but there there was ones too. There are some laughable spider-mans and for sure Captain Americas. Like, but I think what's interesting there is it 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 follows technology again. Like the storytellers in the books were doing such fantastical things that like only now do I actually believe they could do a Spawn movie that wouldn't offend me as a reader of the book and offend me. I, I just mean I wouldn't watch it and go, eh, that's not as cool as the book. The picture from the book. Exactly. Yeah. And that was that was the progression that
1: was so interesting, right? If you watch uh Superman from the seventies or eighties, uh there just can't be that much flying. And when they do flying, it's cool and it was great technology at the time. But not very swoopy. Yeah, it's not (laughs) swoopy. It's not it's not exciting. It's it certainly was not reproducing the energy that's captured in the illustrative frames of the comic books. And so you saw in like the nineties when we, when this kick first started where it hasn't stopped since like the X-Men movies, they couldn't, they couldn't wear their costumes, right. They weren't uh, or their outfits, whatever you want to call them. Um, They weren't quite doing their superpowers, right. They adjusted the characters some to like adapt to the ability of filmmakers to make realistic stuff. And then all of a sudden, uh i don't know 10 years ago sometime after lord of the rings right that was like a transitionary moment in movies i think uh all of a sudden it was like wait a minute we can make superhero movies not only do we have the technology but the technology is inexpensive enough for us to do a whole movie where you really think iron man's flying around uh, and it looks real and feels real. And these characters now can like be in their original costumes. Their superpowers can be fully realized. The action and intensity in the scenes can be just like it was in the comics. And and it reached a point where they crossed. And now they are, the movies are a true representation of all of the energy and thrill. And, and you could afford to have the greatest actors in the world. All of the most famous people uh, in these movies, which really all of that together captures the like the reality of how they're made is captured in the extraordinariness of the stories that are being told too, right? Like these are the most, it arguably some of the most important people in the world, much like they are in the, in the actual story. It's like reality is mimicking the story, uh, which is just really, it's wild. It adds so much weight to the movies now.
0: Right. So You know, I mean, again, the whole thing tracks with technology, right? It's like the printing technology got up to where the pictures that were in the books were so fantastically awesome compared to what you could do with a camera that there then was some lag time of a camera's got to catch up to being able to do something similar so you can do movies with it and do actual moving frames that are as exciting as just the single well-drawn frame of, of, of Wolverine doing a thing. And then you see, and like, and you can track the popularity of the different things through the mediums, right? Because it's like, you look at Batman's, an e- Batman is an easy one to do because he's just the dude in a rubber suit. And he's, and so, but, but even compared to current Batman, like the, the Christopher Nolan Batmans, if you look at the Tim Burton Batmans, like he can't turn his head because they couldn't <laughs> design a Batman cowl that hinged at right. the time. And so he's very mechanical. Makes him seem powerful, though, because he just kicks a guy and the guy flies like he heel kicks a dude and oh, he flies right. across the room, and he's just like, "Oh, that's still badass." Um, and then you have like the Matrix movies, stuff like that. I mean, you can track a whole world of I'll pimp uh, a YouTube channel I like a lot. There's a uh, corridor crew. They're a group of like scrappy, um, you know, our age if and younger ish V effects and sort of like commercial uh, specialists. All computers, all VFX, and they do commercials and stuff for companies. Um, but they also do a great series called VFX Artists React, and they literally just talk through It's 15-minute episodes, comes out once a week, and they talk through VFX from either old things or new things oh, or, or whatever. Cool. But it helps you track with this stuff because you realize, like, Star Wars told the most fantastical story they could with believable effects at the time. Mm-hmm. And the construct, the limitation becomes the things that are like not being able to show the shark in Jaws is part of what makes that so terrifying. And that only happened because the animatronic shark broke (laughs) and they were like, "Okay, well, we got to shoot everything anyway with just a fin and creepy music. But it works. Right. And like same same way, you know, they they Darth Vader as a as a as a as a villain is informed by what they could build at the time for armor for this thing. Mm -hmm. And they created this lasting story out of it. Right. Like, and it's weird because as those stories evolve, you kind of have to respect that universe. And so when you look at X-Men movies, like part of the problem with the X-Men movies at this point is every time they try to go off and have like, look, we need to go back to the skin tight, all CGI suits. We need to go back to, you know, this and that. And like Nightcrawler is really well done in the new movies, but they're still They still have these outfits that are like, okay, the, the original X-Men movies, they essentially put them all in like motorcycle suits, which that's how you had to do it. At the time it was like, well, we can't do anything fancy, but there's still a good story here to tell. Here's how we can, you know, um, and we're just like the thing we're living through right now with Marvel is the tip over into, we can do anything now. It's all computers. It's all made up. It's all illustration. It just takes time and teraflops of processing power. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and we can, and we can replicate those things. Uh, and, and people can't look away. Uh, and the thing is like, okay, so where to, where to, where, where to go with that? Cause it, it, you know, like you don't want it to just land on my childhood is vindicated. It's also like, you know, like what's the value of like, here's an example there one of the things i thought of as i was kind of jotting notes for this episode was like um there's the thing we haven't talked about in the course of this whole thing which is propaganda um and the deployment of this dynamic of storytelling pictures and words Mm -hmm. can also be used really effectively to push political motives etc and so the idea that from from the origin story from captain america like the idea that they created a superhero and the first thing they would do is like okay propaganda tour <laughs> it's like already them trying in his narrative to handle the idea that like the world's not ready for superheroes if yeah. they existed we would probably just put them on posters and tour them around the world as mm-hmm. fucking politicians instead of letting them actually punch notches not punch punch <laughs> nazis um And there's a whole other arc you can chase through comic books of like how they reacted to, you know, like Captain America is in part a reaction to World War II in the existence of that character Mm -hmm. in pop culture. And it still persists into our stories, uh, you know, today. Um, So I don't know. I mean, it's like, where's the place to wrap it up? Is it just like, yo, respect all the stories. Doesn't matter what technology they use to get to you. Stop telling us we do. We might not have a calculator. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know.
1: I think the uh, the interesting and what's compelling about all the superheroes uh, is that we focus on their uh, superpowers, which are things that... <clears throat> Uh, are a lot of people look at superhero movies and they're like they're they're silly. It's the complaint I hear from people who don't enjoy them. Um, often is like I don't I I can't relate to movies where things are made up where there's magic. It just doesn't connect for me, which is totally reasonable. Um, but if you look at how they're told, really their superpowers are just supposed to represent uh, our own realistic capabilities and dreams and excitement and the things that we're good at and talented at, um, and then what the contrast is there that balances it out for me is the characters always have these really obvious uh disadvantages they're the care the aspect of their characters that are problematic for them are are really stark in contrast in in the movies and the comics and the stories and so like wolverine for instance is so overly brooding and struggling with like his masculinity and the fact that everyone gets close to him dies it's like such a trope but it's balanced out by how fantastic everyone's abilities are so in my mind for the storytelling it's fun to see that stuff so obvious because it makes it in a lot of a lot of literature when you read you have to like interpret what's going on it's like effort to find the things to relate to people about and analyze and that's great sometimes because there's extraordinary value in subtlety but comics aren't about subtlety they're not subtle in their imagery they're not subtle in their storytelling they're not subtle in their characters and it just makes things very powerfully relatable right when i watch superhero movies I'm I'm not just connecting with one character. I'm connecting with everyone because it's so obvious how to connect to them, right? It's so obvious what their struggles are and their struggles are just, each character is one of the classic struggles for people. Like Captain America, he's just such a good guy all the time and he gets taken advantage of, made fun of for it. Everyone can connect with that. Everyone gets it and it's just so obvious. It's like the obvious joke around Captain America. And I like... That the stories are told that way sometimes they're just they're inviting. It's fun to be in a movie where it's, it's fun to watch a movie or read a story uh where you can see both this contrast of that person saving the world but also struggling with like the most classic, obvious, easy thing, and you can just relate to all of them, all of them. you want all their superpowers and you have all of their flaws um
0: and have you watched uh Captain America Civil War lately. I have not. Like that is a nuanced story about <laughs> the perils and promises of surveillance capitalism <laughs> that takes place in a modern setting. Like it yeah. literally is the fight between the guy who's usually on the side of the government, Captain America, saying, no, this is a violation of rights. Mm-hmm. And Tony Stark on the other side saying, no, we need these laws and we need this surveillance and we need to stop superheroing. And they do get out. But like, <laughs> great fucking movie. It's It's also nice to see people duke it out sometimes. Right. Yeah. Um, Because that's... I got to...
1: Maybe this is just me. Maybe this is just dudes. Uh, I want to duke it out sometimes. And I don't get to. You're not allowed to duke things out in real life. (laughs) Not anymore. uh, Can't challenge you to a duel. It satisfies a a maybe childish, maybe brutish, maybe like antiquated desire. But like, I want to like hit a tree with a bat sometimes when I'm pissed off. and, And it'd be fun to like duke it out and win a fight with my fists. So... (laughs)
0: this could be a fun one okay so the thing about all of this stuff that you just described in terms of superhero movies and like what they bring to the world Mm -hmm. and the reaction that we have to them blah 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 etc like that is i have found the most accessible way to try to explain sports this gets back to our this gets back to to the conversation with Mike, where Mike talks about like, you know, it's an endless hope machine. Like that's an example of a place where stories every year, every city involved in the NFL gets to start with a set of stories about why they're going to be the best that year and the hope that those stories are accurate and it cycles every year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, I don't find that compelling. I don't care about who is drafted and what youngster's good at football that might help the team. I don't know if that's a matter of team loyalty or like that's. We should just link out to that episode, um, but it's the closest I come to being able to feel like, oh, what a stupid waste of your time on a Sunday about about watching roommates over the years, you know, drink away their Sunday watching you know a football team play. Pretty similar. Fun to have your team win in the end. Yeah, um, yeah pretty similar. Most concept. Teams lose statistically.
1: <laughs> yeah, I would. I would have. I would argue that it would be a problem if I were watching uh, four hours of Iron Man every Sunday. <laughs> that, seems, and, that seems. And betting like money on the outcome
0: of the latest. <laughs>
1: narrative arc but the um, story the story is i think the the concept i think you're right on it feels it feels very similar it's it's exciting it's thrilling you're connecting you're relating right you played those sports um you could have been the superhero so in a way it's actually much more of a reasonable thing to relate to right <laughs> like i've never yeah, been I mean, in an iron man suit as much as i would like to be um whereas i, I mean, have played sports i I've, I've participated in those competitions
0: Right, so the extent to which you just you just sort of say, well, I like fantastical scenarios more than I like real world ones. Mm-hmm. Like some people don't like the fantastical ones. Don't care. It's just not it's not there. I mean, pro sports basically thing. are fantasy, right? Football right. football so, is
1: played in a way and the rules are are created in a way and managed in a way that make fantastic things happen constantly, right? You're constantly ooing and awing at football.
0: Um, well, I it, think it's... that's where my ire for fantasy sports comes from. Because you're like, (laughs) they're going, we're going to take this construct here that is a real world construct based on physics mostly and a random action generator machine based on human performance. And we're going to make up a whole world about it and simultaneously make fun of your world because your world has dragons in it. (laughs) Like, fuck you. It's all fantasy. It's right in the name. Anyway, but so the point, you know, again, though, it's that thing of like, it it speaks to the visceral extent of the stories, right? Like we are programmed to watch our team and people have a reaction to it. Like they've done studies with functional, like MRI and stuff where like people have an anxiety reaction to their team being in a tight scenario Mm -hmm. that gets to about 90 to 95% of an actual anxiety scenario mm-hmm. so like the fight or flight you're feeling when you watch a football game if you're having that reaction it's just as real as the fight or flight you're having in a fast mm-hmm. and furious movie when the rock yeah. might fall off the building or whatever it is which you know? is
1: thrilling right because ultimately it all comes down to doing drugs and that's what all this stuff is so <laughs> whether or not you're producing the drug yourself or not <laughs>
0: right yeah for sure dopamine or alcohol are you, are you drinking beer <laughs> or are you yeah. producing dopamine or is it some combo so that's an interesting place where those all intersect. Right. And I think you end up with this thing where it's like the nerds took the stories that are so much co- like, I'm sorry, what you can do on a football field is just not as Iron Man would be really good at football. So <laughs> we we win that one too. Right. Like, Yeah. There's
1: a lot of, they're actually there. Are, there's a pretty classic trope in comic books where like the, the kids aren't allowed to play sports right just so they don't ever have to chase that angle and have that problem superman never plays cuz they don't want to reveal his superpowers Spider-Man is not allowed to play for some other reason um there's a bunch of a bunch of uh,
0: uh they avoid that on purpose well it's funny cuz that ends up being it's just another like pop culture arena which is as is, is a is a is a thematically consistent metaphor to apply <laughs> I just I just like storytelling pop culture, you know. I just like storytelling where
1: there is no limitation on the story you can tell, which is what uh all fantasy sci-fi uh opens up, right? You can tell any story you want. You can go anywhere you want, you can make anyone anything you want them to be. Uh you can make up languages, you can make up magic powers, you can make up locations, you can make up time periods, universes whatever right it the 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 encouragement for creativity is infinite whereas uh you can kind of make the same argument about uh like say standard dramatic literature about real life and it's fair there are different types of infinities right there's an infinite amount of nuance in which you can tell like a love story um and and the details of the characters and the and the eloquence of the language and that's all wonderful too but from a pure like just creative standpoint, I, I like that I like that breadth of just take me somewhere new. Just that's that's what's always done it for me is just imagine these things that you t- you're telling the same stories. Everyone's heard the the concept of whatever the ten or twelve uh, stories that every other story ever told fall into. Um, so the humanness is still the same, but. Uh, if you're gonna have the humanness be the same, like let me be on a spaceship on a planet that we made up with interesting magic powers and and creatures that look like lizards, and I don't know, I just find that really neat.
0: <laughs> so, in the construct in, in sort of the context of everything we just said, who's your favorite superhero?
1: Oh man, that's tough. Um, without being too clever had, about it, Hobbes I had this discussion uh for a zoom call recently it was it was a prep (laughs) it was like a prep question between you and your spouse it was for a spouse uh, like a competitive game um i listed out a bunch but one that just always comes to mind in a funny way because i don't know that people who know me would pick this one for me but i really connect with wolverine there's something about that dark brooding everyone i've ever loved has been killed and i'm i don't know what my purpose is But I'm I try to do good and I often fail, but like I I'm kind of in like this avenging place, but like I know avenging's not good, so I try not to do that, but things just keep happening to me. Something about that just tells the story of being a man to me. I don't know where that comes from. That doesn't represent my life at all, but it just really connects for me.
0: Well, for what it's worth, I'm pretty sure that for a long period of time. The first issue of Wolverine's first standalone series was the best selling comic of, of, of all time. Oh, interesting. For, for a period. So a lot of people agreed with you when they decided to spin him out of X-Men alone. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm trying to I I'm back and forth between sort of like an analysis of traits I understand for uh you know, comic characters or just like ones I remember from my child. I was a big spawn fan for a long time, but I sort of fell off that one. Uh, and that one was fun. Cause it was just angels and demons and it was fantasy, I'm, but all kind of, no in this very of, like, well. of like heaven and hell. And, you know, cool Dante's Inferno type of imagery, but like, I don't know. When I look around my room, I got two pieces of next generation paraphernalia uh two pieces of star wars paraphernalia <laughs> two iron mans two anonymous masks from or whatever you know uh, v v for vendetta uh you know if i go by that it's probably iron man possibly jean-luc picard and they're sort of the same thing they're sort of they're <laughs> in the space of engineering and science as they are heroes yeah picard's on uh, my list for sure Ron's I would I would make an argument for Ron Swanson if you wanted to have that type of conversation <laughs> interesting yeah that's a good one that fits that's very fitting.
1: Uh, well if we're gonna but, go way off topic I'm gonna throw Larry David out there because I've, I've got a perfect. I've got an inner Larry David I think a lot of people do but mine's
0: like especially loud it's 10 seasons worth of people do so you know <laughs> That can't be wrong. On ten some seasons? Level. I got to go Something, rewatch. Eight, I don't ten, think I've, I don't know. There's no
1: way I've seen ten seasons. There's new seasons. There's I, I new just one. watched. We just finished the here. new yeah. season. Um. Uh,
0: uh. Super villain. That's this is a, a funnier one because like uh, you could maybe argue for the the for vendetta dude, but I don't have any villains
1: hanging around my room. Well. This is an interesting aspect to Deadpool, the comic book world is that they're
0: all all supervillains. I don't want to miss that. Did I already say that? No, you did miss that. Story. They uh
1: it the comic book world does not stop at telling you who the good person is. You're not they they're the protagonist in any given story. But like the storyline of the world, everyone's good and everyone's bad, right? It's again, they go to the extreme to be like very blunt with these things, but they address that. And I like that about you get that in a lot of stuff, you get that in a lot of like sci fi and fantasy. It just they they don't hide the fact that everything is everything, right? You're not good or bad, you're good and bad. And especially when you take people to these extremes it's unavoidable that you're both and so the story like the way the extremeness with which the stories are told forces you to reconcile those those ideas more so than it just being like a subtle
0: undertone in a storyline uh and and i think the reason that dc struggles warner brothers and with the dc comic label struggles to have the same foothold that Marvel does is because I think their core, ultimately their core most relatable superhero is Batman. And the Batman universe is dark as shit. Yeah. Because he's just a troubled, like, <laughs> trying to do good. It's like Wolverine, but not even as as, as, as compelling. In yeah, a, there's in a, no a presentation. The hope is always lacking in the DC. And so they have Superman but like he doesn't he's a joke counter that (laughs) like superman popped up and then batman's the counter to that and then they end up sort of building their whole universe in that world in gotham's world not metropolis's world and so like things are it's 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 harder to build the do the world building that they want to do around that it's like how do you put aquaman and wonder woman into that world Mm -hmm. and Wow, Wonder Woman is really good. I thought Aquaman was good too, but like they have trouble uniting it into a universe. The same way that Marvel is sort of like everyone is kind of equivalently angsty, yeah, slash nuanced. Like they just have better characters over there because they're, they're just, more they're, they relate to us, you know.
1: Well, they keep that balance all the time, right? The the um, the the uh, Avengers movies are there's a lot of darkness in them as well. I mean. You're, you're talking about destroying all half of all life in the universe, right? It's a pretty dense right. concept right. when you get to the, the real point there. Um, but they also have just intense hope and positivity throughout the movies, right? There are like heated scenes where these superheroes are, are fighting each other to the death, arguing over whether or not they should have hope in that moment. Like the battle is about hope, um, which is really that's a that's a strange combo that you don't get. Uh that we don't we don't like address stuff that way. When you think of like battles in real life, you think of them as being around the negative thing. It's like I'm I'm taking, but if you the the superhero stories like do a good job of telling it from the other side. There's that hope component too. There's the wait. It's not just the taking, it's also the saving. Um And DC doesn't seem to pull that. They they tend to like linger in one area. It's either like dark or they're trying. Just they just don't do it. It's
0: it's, it's, (laughs) that's the thing, right? Like uh, uh, Batman is not driven by hope. Yeah, it's this other angsty thing. That's like even Iron Man is a builder, right? So as much as as much as Tony Stark is sort of like a contemptible asshole as a character, in the end, he's he wants to build things Mm -hmm. to solve problems. And so does Batman, but it's more like, I'm going to build another gadget so I can more effectively hurt a thug on the street. Yeah, so he kind of like the Batman narrative. Revenge. Uh, but so villains, though. Like, let's, let's you know, give me, give me actual characters, right? I mean, the, never mind the nuance of the good characters, mm-hmm. the good guys. Um, you know, and some of the most beloved, like Deadpool. I mean, he started as a bad guy. People were like, but we like this guy, so sometimes he's got to do good things, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, this is, this is touches on the antihero. hero uh, I mean, um, I, for all the shit I just gave DC, I, I always love the Joker, right? He's amazing.
0: Yeah, that's that's probably the top of my heap as well. He's just so it's so it's just an embodiment of chaos, which is the yeah. sphere to anyone who thinks of the world yeah. in terms of systems, you know, and I think totally. that was the, the core of what won the Oscar for Heath Ledger is like, how do you pre- present this maniacal, like you can't even count on them to follow their own like uh, uh plan that they just dictated to you while you were strapped under a buzzsaw like a James Bond villain or something. We didn't even talk about James Bond as superhero. Um yeah Joker uh that's honestly all that comes to mind for me. I mean there's a lot of other cool ones that sort of capture the imagination but
1: yeah that uh, I was just gonna I was curious Theater, uh, when you, when you mentioned count. the Joker uh, winning an Oscar, Joker and Vito Corleone are the only two characters to have won Oscars twice for people. Uh, by two for two different actors.
0: Same character. One of my favorite Je- like Jeopardy trivia questions is who people who have won. There are people who have won an Oscar for playing the same character twice. Uh, there's only like five of them. At the time that this Jeopardy question was asked, there were only three. Um, but I think Kate Blanchett has won an Oscar for playing Queen Elizabeth twice in two completely separate movies. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, Paul Newman won an Oscar twice for playing the the pool hustler dude. Um, Fast Eddie Filson, I think his name is. Uh, and I think Brando won an Oscar twice for the Godfather movies or something like that. I don't know. Or it might have only been nominated, not didn't win. But like, yeah, same, you know. What who else? Uh the Joker, Joker played by Oh, cause Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah, he just just uh, that just happened. Uh, also, yeah. So I mean that's that's a compelling enough bad guy that he gets his own movie. Yeah. No Batman in that one. <laughs> Even yeah, he started a Batman villain. Um but uh, we should have swapped those two segments. We should have done villains first so we could end on the hope narrative. Maybe I'll just edit it that way. You can. Because I'm a superhero. You have
1: the superpower to change when in time this conversation occurred.
0: Well, anyway, I feel like that was a good one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, uh,
0: Good place to... As good a place as any to wrap it up. I always like to wrap it up on hope. The first Star Wars is literally <laughs> called A New
1: Hope. A New Hope. There Tom it is. Han Solo forever
0: encased in carbonite. I have the I have a, I have a vague articulation of exactly the dynamic of our pre- last segment that sits together on purpose on my desk. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> uh Commander Data and the Borg. Final pops. That's great. Two sides of the resistance is futile coin. So let's we'll leave you with that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> anyway, thanks for hanging out for another engineering podcast. Uh, if you want to uh, throw us as little as a buck a month to help keep the lights on for whatever this project is and/or becomes as we cruise forward, uh, you can go to support.zengineeringpodcast.com. For otherwise thanks for hanging out. I'm Adam. I'm um, Brian. Stay hopeful. <laughs>
1: didn't like that one but we'll take it it was good it
0: works